ミスターボブさんあなたは書斎にゆっくりと座っていますそしてテーブルの上にはサントリーウイスキーがありますわかりますね感情を込めてゆっくりとカメラを見て優しくそしてあなたの古い友達に会うように言ってくださいカサブランカのボギーのように君の瞳に乾杯サントリータイム He wants you to turn looking camera Okay? That's all he said? Yes Turn to camera Alright, does he want me to, to turn from the right or turn from the left? あの彼の方はもう準備ができてます、それであのスタートがかかったときにあの、カメラの方に振り向くときに、左から振り向けばいいのか、右から振り向けばいいのか、その辺のところはいかがなさいましょうかということなんですけれども、どっちだっていいんだよ、もう、関係ないんだから、そんなもの、時間がないんだよ、ボブさん、ね、だからもう早く、あなたもうテンション上げて、カメラ見て、カメラ目線で、ゆっくりと、ね、パッションが、カメラ、目には、パッションだよ、分かった Okay. Is that everything? I mean, it seemed like he said quite a bit more than that. あなたのあなたの言ってることはウイスキーのことだけじゃないんだから。わかる？古い友達に会うように優しくジェントリーにね、そして心から湧き上がってくるテンション。これ忘れちゃダメだよ。Like an old friend and into the camera. Okay. わかった。<笑>あなたはウイスキーを愛してます。It's a good time. Okay. Hey, everybody. Good morning. Welcome to the film room. Today, we are discussing again one of our favorite films, A Streak of Good Films. Yeah, we needed it. We needed it. Yeah, we need to.、Uh, this is stress relief. <laughs>、mm. You know, we get angry at bad films, so, you know.、Uh, this one is especially good for stress relief. Yeah. That's the reason to throw this one on. Yeah, exactly. It's just. That's what this movie's great for. It's, it's great for stress relief.、Uh, we're covering Lost in Translation today. Yeah. Probably one of Bill Murray's finest films. It is, and I've got a lot to say about that, so、uh, everybody get ready. We're also going to talk briefly about the Oscars, and、uh, I'll give my thoughts on Deadpool because, well, we're going to kind of need to flesh out this cast a bit because the very simple truth of this movie is this is kind of a hard one to talk about. Yeah, because there's really, like, besides the basic premise, there's really not much plot. Like, there's not much that really,、uh, there's not much that really happens in this film. Other than, you know, what's、yeah. happening on screen at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's a very, very small, simple film. And that's the beauty of it.、Uh, that's the thing that I think makes the movie so great. And、uh, the basic gist of the film is uh, it's uh, from、uh, writer director Sofia Coppola, of course, daughter of、uh, Francis Ford Coppola,、um, someone who's grown up very much in a privileged atmosphere. And、uh, something that I really admire about her films is that rather than、uh, ignoring the fact that she's grown up in privilege and trying to get away from it, most of her films deal with it.、Yeah. Uh, most of her films are fundamentally about how growing up in wealth and fame and 
what it does to you. She's fascinated by this subject, and I really admire that that's been what she's made her career on, because I think that's honest. Yeah, it is. Yeah, that's certainly what Marie Antoinette was about. The bling ring kind of touched on that, too. Yeah, um, it did. The bling ring was very much fascinated by it. Um, uh, I think it was Somewhere was the name of the film that she did, which was really about this subject. Um, she's fascinated by the subject. And again, I admire that there's an honesty to that. I would rather somebody talk uh, about how they are, you know, how they are famous and, you know, what it's like in that world, if that's what you know, than to go in and fake like they're fascinated by, to do like poverty porn, basically, you know, to do movies where you're glaring at a world that you don't know. I admire that Coppola uh, focuses on what she knows because she has an interesting and unique perspective. And this movie is very heavily steeped in that. This movie is uh, an exemplar of that. Uh, this was the movie that won her an Oscar for Best Original Screenplay in 2004. But did it win her an Oscar? It did win her an Oscar. A richly deserved Oscar. This is a, a fine film. This is the movie that, of course, controversially, Bill Murray, it was widely felt, should have won uh, for this instead of um, Sean Penn winning for Mystic River, which we discussed on uh, we discussed on the Magnolia cast. We, 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 oh, we did, yeah. We, we've, we've aired that. We've aired our grievance on that one. Um, the short version is I think that this is the performance that's held up through time. Big time, I think this has. This is also very notably the film that launched one of the biggest stars in the world. This is widely considered the moment that Scarlett Johansson broke onto the uh, to the grand stage, so to speak. Um, she'd been working since she was very young. Uh, God, she's been working since she was... Like, she had movies when she was, like, 12. Um, she's worked quite successfully for many years uh, before this. But this was the movie that really put her on the stage as someone that people were paying attention to. And, well, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to put a theory forward right now. I have a theory that her doing this this movie put her on the critical stage. Her doing the red carpets for this movie might have actually hurt her. Yeah? Okay, that seems strange, but let me explain what I mean. The undeniable truth about her is, well, you know, she's a bombshell. That's not exactly... You know, it's hard to ignore that fact. Uh, she's routinely ranked um, among the lists of the most beautiful women in the world. Um, after this movie, she exploded as a sex symbol. And uh, the roles that she started getting after this movie unfortunately tilted in that direction. Rather unfortunately, that seemed to be where she was going. And that's, uh, that's a real loss. Um... It took many years for her to kind of regain the footing that she had, because, I mean, she just wound up taking a bunch of... And I don't blame her. you you got to take what's offered to you, but aside from a few good indie roles here and there, she wasn't quite living up to the promise of... Because before this movie, she'd worked with the Coen brothers. She'd worked with Robert Redford. Uh, you know, some real high-class directors. And then, after this movie, Michael Bay... Oh no! <laughs> yeah, after this movie, she worked with Michael Bay. Um, what what movie would that be? The Island, which it oh, which in all fairness is one of Bay's better movies. But uh, I I hate to say that that I I think this movie, unfortunately, the media took the wrong message. Um, finally though, she did start to get her footing back with some really quality indie films. I haven't seen it. Uh, I've heard that Under the Skin is amazing. 
her work in her is just profound. Uh, it's and that's only a voice role, but she's amazing in it. And damn it, I enjoy her in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I okay, that's not exactly oh, yeah. a controversial opinion. She's quite well liked in it. She does a really great job in those movies. Uh, really shows really shows a lot of more spark than just. I'm here to be looked at. She really gives a strong, well-etched character, um, and uh, oh, she does, yeah, yeah. That's why uh, that's why we're so adamant on seeing her get a solo film. Just the brief scene she has in the Civil War trailer is great. So, yeah, as I said, that that's 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 kind of a tangent, but that's thing that just kind of annoys me about the media, which is that if you're an attractive young woman, there's always this sense that oh, it's going to help you. I do think it can hurt you. Um, part of the problem, I think, was that directors couldn't figure out what to do with her voice. She has the, famously has that very dry, low voice, and I think directors, unfortunately, tended to direct her towards monotone, which was not ideal. Again, it's it's interesting to me that Spike Jones really was able to get a, a very diverse and uh, pulsating performance out of her. Uh, uh, you know, with just a voice work, with just voice work, because. I mean, that just really says something. Uh, again, I, I think she's a spectacular talent. And she was not nominated for an Oscar for this movie. But to me, that's to me that's the greater snub than Murray. It is, yeah. Is that she wasn't nominated. Cause, because this movie is entirely a two-hander. The film's plot could not be simpler. It is about two people who find themselves in Japan. Yeah. Both for different reasons. Both for different reasons. Um, uh, what's interesting about this movie is it should be is I should point out, uh, Johansson is actually playing at least five years older than she's supposed to be in real life. How old is she in this movie? The character is supposed to be in her mid-twenties. She was just barely 18. Hmm. Weird. I mean, just... We're talking just this side of 18. Hmm. Wow. This this is 2001, right? Uh, 2003. 2003, Okay. 2003. It came out my freshman year of uh, college, and I saw it multiple times. I actually saw this one a couple times in theaters, because uh, I saw it with uh, my friend uh, Ryan uh, Harvey Piercy, whose Twitter feed is hysterical, and I hope everybody uh, subscribes to it. We need to provide a link to that, because it's great. Uh, he, he made an observation about this movie that I think is so right, which is that he just he said he just always feels at home when he's watching it. Yeah. Because uh, after we saw it for a second time, and he's right... Um, but yeah, it came out in 2003. She is a uh, she's the wife of a director, uh, played by Giovanni Ribisi, and one of the best things he's ever done. Uh, he's an actor I really like, and who, who always seems to play just assholes. Which is funny because I don't get the impression I don't get that impression from him from interviews. He seems like a decent guy. Uh, no, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, he's Scientologist as all hell, but. Even in this movie, it's not like he's a straight asshole. It's like he's more oblivious. Which is interesting because the character that he's playing is transparently uh, a version of uh, Cop uh, Coppola's then-soon-to-be ex-husband, Spike Jones. Ah! Yeah. Oh, that's kind of funny. Yeah, that is kind of funny when you think about it. Because his character is very clearly... He looks and acts <laughs> a lot like Jones. Wow. Yeah. Which is also funny because of the uh, because of the Johansson connection with her. Yeah, I'm convinced that her is uh, Jones trying to do a response to this movie. I'm convinced that that that, that was him trying to do. And you know what? If that's the case, then we then we got two great movies out of this uh, concept because yes, 
her is I, I if, if I cannot make it clear enough, watch that movie. It's brilliant. Um, uh, so moving, but, um, yeah, his character is a, he's a director. Um, at one point we, we meet an actress that he's worked with who, uh, she's played by Anna Ferris and, uh, yeah, which okay, there's another connection because Ferris's husband is in, uh, her actually. Really? Yeah. Boy, this movie really is kind of, boy, that movie really is kind of a mirror of this one. Yeah. Yeah. Her, her husband's in it. Yeah. Oh which yeah, is, yeah. Chris yeah, Pratt. That's right. Yeah, which is surreal because it was just before Pratt was started, uh, just before Guardians of the Galaxy. It's kind of a last glimpse of him uh, at his uh, Andy Dwyer white. Yeah. But yeah, uh, he's a. Uh, we we meet an actress that he's uh, worked with who is uh, played by Ferris. Though let's just, it is astonishing how obvious she's supposed to be Cameron Diaz. Mm. Ferris looks just like Diaz. She sure as hell acts just like Diaz. I mean, it's such a thinly veiled in imitation that it borders on the slanderous, <laughs> and it is not a flattering inter. It is not a flattering interpretation. But I've never oh, heard God, a single. No. But I've never heard a single flattering story about Diaz, so I I kind of understand. I tried this power cleanse. So amazing. Okay, promise me you'll try it. Will you try this power cleanse? I did it last week, and it's amazing. And it's so good to just get like the toxins out of your body, you know? Yeah. No, shut the fuck up. She's she's unbearable. Though again, Ferris gives a hell of a performance in just her few scenes, and mm -hmm, she does creates a real impression. Uh, Johansson's character is just she's really very out of place in this movie that's which is the key theme of this movie is feeling out of place she's here with her husband she doesn't really want to be in Japan she doesn't speak the language the culture is alien <clears throat> she is feeling just adrift it's obvious that there's trouble with her husband it's obvious that there's relationship trouble though the movie doesn't dwell too much on it again I don't think it's a bad idea to be aware of what happened in real life after this movie um, that yes, um, the marriage between Coppola and Jones was souring pretty badly during the making of this movie and did indeed end shortly thereafter. Mm -hmm. But yeah, there's, there's this real sense that she doesn't belong and she's just there as an accessory. And that's what leads her to bump into Bill Murray's character. Now can I pause and really make some people on the internet angry? Cause I really want to do this. Bill Murray's cult is completely unwarranted. Yeah. Ah, oh, yeah, there, I, there. I, um, let 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 the flames begin. Um, Bill Murray has only given a couple of truly great performances. I, I'm I'm sorry, but he really has. Um, I think he is consistently much lazier than he's given credit for. Yeah. Hey, perhaps I could be of some assistance. He, there was all this outcry at the time of this movie that oh, this is so unfair, etc. But, okay, aside from his work with Wes Anderson, aside from his work here, and uh, Groundhog Day, of course, Murray tends to phone it in a lot more than he gets credit for. And, okay, I'll give his brief scenes in uh, Kingpin credit, too. But that's just brief. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah, he just, Bill Murray, really most of the time only plays Bill Murray. Mm -hmm. Which is, yeah, the, um, just sort of... Yeah, laid back, like makes offhand snide comments, and uh, that's that's about it. So, do you have any regrets? 
Garfield, maybe. I, I, I like Murray. I think he's great. Yeah. But yeah, there's yeah. no denying that he's prone to this laziness, and it's kind of annoying, frankly. Uh, yeah. And more to the point, from everything I've read, he's kind of a horrible person. Yes. Yeah, he's kind of a horrible, abusive, impossible-to-work-with person. He has an ego about himself that's kind of absurd. Um, Murray did not take the Oscar loss well. He didn't take it well at all. Um, though, I mean, I'm reminded of the beautiful moment uh, last year when uh, Michael Keaton lost, and he just kind of slid his speech back into his pocket and kept going mm-hmm. because he was, you know... It was obvious he was sad that he'd lost, but... Uh, he kept going, and I have a theory that we're going to probably see Keaton on the stage sooner or later. He's choosing really, really great movies. So yeah. I have hopes for Keaton, but Murray did not take it well, um, and to the point where it had to even be joked about at the Oscars. And I, again, I don't blame him, but yeah, the man did a lot for comedy, but there's just got to be nicer people we can get behind, and there's got to be actors that try a little bit harder i just you know i'm looking forward to him in the jungle book but yeah but that out of the way let's talk about why he really and truly did deserve that oscar for this movie because he i mean one side on the jungle book you know he plays baloo so i mean baloo is kind of a lazy asshole (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. so there you go (laughs) yeah exactly exactly there's hope there's hope i've got hope for that um I'm really looking forward to that one. That one looks really good. Um, Beginning to this one, what I like about his work in this movie is that Coppola kind of weaponizes everything that I've just said. Yes. His his character in this movie is a movie, is very famous. We can tell that his career is somewhat washed up, though maybe not necessarily that washed up. He's clearly successful. He's clearly popular. In Japan, he's clearly someone who was successful. Who um, we briefly see a clip of one of his movies. Um, yeah, he's someone who he's clearly bitter. He's married at this point in the film, but we don't ever we don't ever really see his wife. Uh, she's well, we don't see her. Yeah, she even though she's kind of a constant presence, she's faxing him at like four thirty in the morning, but where he is. Sends him a FedEx box full of, like, carpet samples. Mm-hmm. There, I mean, there's the sense that we can tell that he's not a happy person. We can tell he's very depressed. Um, we can tell that he's got an ego about himself. There, There's a very disdainful thing about it. I mean, I'm, I'm really serious. Coppola really brings out in Murray the, the, those negative traits and uses them, which is why so much of this movie really does to does come down to her stellar work uh, she uses that really well she really makes you sense that this is a guy who's not necessarily a good person who 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 has this real bitterness and darkness inside of him but doesn't want to talk about it he can be funny but he doesn't want to be yeah he's he's just he's miserable and he also feels just completely alienated in this world that doesn't make any sense to him and he's angry. He's tired of it. It just, it's not a good time for him. And it's such a great piece of character work. I mean, you really do believe that this guy feels how he feels. You feel his frustration. And 
Murray is Murray is amazing in this film. It's just such a it's just such a great performance. So you have these you have these two twin plot threads going in this movie. Eventually, of course, they intersect pretty quickly in the film, and these two people wind up wind up spending a lot of time together. And the movie follows them as they form sort of this unique it's a unique film. It's not I wouldn't really call it a love story. They form like a pretty close um friendship. Mm-hmm. Um there is there is a weird there is a moment in the film where, you know, she knocks on his door and you know, he opens it and he's obviously with a lady. Yeah. And later they're hanging out and she and she's kinda pissed at him. Well, she is closer to your age. You could talk about Things you have in common, like um, growing up in the 50s. Maybe she liked the movies you were making in the 70s when you still were making movies. Wasn't there anyone else there to lavish you with attention? I'm switching to beer, okay? Beer Yeah. It's, that can be interpreted a couple of ways. One is, well, you know, you're married. You yeah. should not have done that. And for two, and for two, it's if you're going to have an affair with somebody here, why wasn't it with me? Yeah. And it's really funny to think that this movie makes the idea of Scarlett Johansson and Bill Murray two iconic figures at this point. Because I mean, again, when you go back and you watch the film, she's just as iconic as he is. Having an affair, the movie makes it very plausible. They have really great amazing chemistry together and and they have such great chemistry with very limited dialogue really i mean so much of it is really conveyed in glances and looks and tone and atmosphere but they really sell it Mm -hmm. but yeah you have that scene and then it's diffused quickly with a sense of tension you know with a a joke and it's like okay and the movie goes on from there it doesn't build to any grand climax. It doesn't build to any grand... It doesn't. It just sort of... It happens. Life happens. There's no... This is not a movie that's trying to play up some grand message for you. It just kind of wants to go, okay, life happens. And that's just all there is to it. Mm-hmm. And it really works. I mean, it's really quite moving. One thing I do want to talk about while we're you know, talking about this movie is how the movie d- treats Japan. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's it's interesting. Like you can tell that. Like I'm not sure exactly. I I would like to get my hands on the script for this just to see what it's out there. Right? It's like, yeah, because I'm. Uh, I wonder how much of this was just them, um, like saying, "Ooh, that looks interesting." Shoot that. I think a lot of it was. I mean, this movie was, of course, shot on location. Thank God. Uh... Oh yeah, no, there's no way it couldn't have been. Yeah, it's it's shot on location and it makes Japan look beautiful. I mean, it does, yeah. It, it it's it's really gorgeously it's gorgeously filmed. It has a real it makes it look very appealing. Um and and it's not just the natural beauty uh sections of it. It makes nature and it makes uh the, the city sections look just as beautiful too. Mhm. Coppola has such a great eye for this uh, for for shot composition. She really knows what she's doing. She was nominated for best director for this, um, though she lost. Um, 
Uh, she lost to uh, that was during Peter Jackson's big storm uh, with uh, Lord of the Rings. True. Yeah, they swept. Yeah, I do believe I do believe he won every single Oscar that. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, it, that, yeah. It was a clean sweep. Um, yeah, it was. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I I think a lot of it was thrown in. A lot of the dialogue was improvised, um, including that yeah. very famous last scene. Yeah, it was. Yeah. I do believe that that uh, is out there as to what he actually said to her, like, in the scene. But as far as the film itself, we don't know. We don't know. Well, Coppola didn't write anything. She told Murray to improvise. I don't care is what it comes down to. Yeah. For the record, I know the answer because I've I've read what people have have, uh, been... People have been able to go in and audio play it up and hear... I don't care, though. True. I really and truly don't care. The point of it, the point of it is that he's saying goodbye. The point right. of it is the point of it is so much stuff that it's more than can be conveyed in words. It's the end of a connection because these two people are never going to see each other again. Yeah, this is it. The, yeah, that's pretty much right. I don't. I don't care. Is what it comes down to. I could care. I don't care. So they shared a connection that's specific to this time and place only, and that's it. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's that's my reaction to that. Um, as I said, getting back to my thoughts on this movie's depiction of Japan, I admit I have kind of a mixed view of it. Yeah, I, I think to a certain degree the movie maybe plays up a little too much of Japan is weird, which I'm yeah. not that cool with. Yeah. Guys, Japan isn't that sex-obsessed. I'm really kind of bothered by the fact that Westerners have this view that Japan is just this constantly sex-obsessed world. It's not. It's 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 really not. Uh, in truth, if you were to look at a porn comic on the bus like this movie depicts, or I guess it's train... It, you, it would be greatly frowned upon. It would be greatly frowned upon. They still have prohibitions. Um, the... the the movie kind of goes out of its way to throw in every Japanese stereotype that it can about how weird the culture is. And I get that that's what the movie is going for because that's what the movie's about. The movie is about feeling alienated. So you want to create that sense of alienation in the viewer. And I, and that's why I'm going to be maybe a little nicer to it than I would have been any other movie. On the other hand, if this was to be a movie about people living in Japan and I saw all this stuff, I would be really annoyed by it. I'd be really, really annoyed by it. As it stands, I'm going to give the movie a slight pass on it, but it's it's a pass with a frown and a try not to do that again. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. This is a hard movie to talk about because so much of it is just individual scenes. There's not really a dense plot. There's not really a lot of dialogue that stands out. Um Really about the only dialogue scene that really stands out is the commercial that Murray is shooting, which we don't get subtitles on what the director is saying. I will give Coppola credit for this. Number one, we don't even though we don't get subtitles, people who do speak uh, Japanese have confirmed that what he's actually saying is actually very good advice, is actually good quality direction, and that... Really? Yes, that he's actually trying to convey some clear information, and the and the translator is just just kind of watering it way down. Yeah, it's watering it severely <laughs> down. But yeah, you can find a translation of what he's saying online, and it actually makes perfect sense. 
Nice. Which is a nice touch. There's also the game show that he, uh, or talk show, I guess, that he goes on, which is surreal, which is surreal, bizarre, and real. That That is an... Yeah, yeah, that's that's a real guy. That's a real talk show host. That's a real thing. I figured. <laughs> just as the just as uh, the uh, alcohol that he's promoting is, of course, extremely real. Yes. Yeah. That uh, Suntory is in fact an actual Japanese uh, beverage, although their catchphrase was not the one that he Make used. Make it Suntory time. It that wasn't the catchphrase. They adopted it after this movie. Really? Yes. Oh, that's slogan. great. It's a good slogan. I, I I don't and I do give Coppola a lot of credit for that. That she does use brand names. She does use real things. I think that does help alleviate some of my annoyance with the movie's depictions. It's like, well, you know what, at least this is real. That is kind of refreshing. Um I don't I don't even want to think about what Seth MacFarlane's take on this material would be. It would probably be pretty horrifying. So yeah. But I mean, this is a hard movie to talk about because it is so much an experience movie. It's a good soundtrack. Yeah, it's a really good soundtrack. One thing that I kind of want to uh, touch on is the R rating. Yeah, yeah. Because it's this is just barely. This is such a soft R. The only profanity in the movie is in uh, a background song. I get you a couple drinks. Let's go. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Which is extremely vulgar, extremely offensive, and extremely recognizable uh, to anybody in uh, pop culture. Oh yeah, and I do believe he's looking at a stripper while uh, yeah. while it's playing. You could have snipped that scene out of the movie with no trouble. Yeah, really, that scene did not have to be in the movie, and th- and that that does bug me to a certain degree. The other, the other bit, uh, and this again is not—they don't show anything—is when somebody uh, sends a uh, a call girl up to his room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is also kind of a weird, funny sequence. And that sequence was fine, but that sequence probably could have made a PG thirteen movie. I mean, yeah, it would have. Yeah, this this movie really probably should have been a PG thirteen. Um, here's our thoughts on the opening shot. There's an opening shot of the movie. If you've seen it, you know what we're talking about. If you haven't, well, watch the movie. We're trying to tell you to watch the movie, but we're not going to talk about it. Right. Yeah, there's no reason to. I'm great. We're, we're bringing it up not to bring it up. So there. This is a strange movie to bring up for a cast because, again, there is so little to say about it, But I, I guess that's what I kind of want to talk about is why some people have called this movie boring, and I feel like that misses the point. Eh. No, it's like you... The people who say that I don't think are actually paying that much attention. No. Like they're not actually watching the film. Like you have to, you do have to actively be engaged with this film because there's so much there to just kind of look at and you know enjoy in the moment. Not, not everything has to follow a hard structure. This is a movie that's just a story, and it's a beautiful story, and it's one that is moving and powerful and quite effective i don't need to be drenched with plot i just don't this is this is a great movie as it is 
it's so well worth experiencing and I don't know. It's it's a comfort movie. It's when people ask me what's a good feel good movie to throw on. This is one that I always throw out because it just leaves yeah. me feeling better. And there is something powerful about that message that this movie has, which is that when in doubt, we human connection is what gets us through. Yeah, exactly. That's a great message, and it's a message that the movie does a really great job with. And I mean, I think that's that's enough to make me really feel like this movie gets a recommendation from me because that's an important message and that's one that we need to discuss yeah i just i love this movie i mean that's really kind of i i don't know that i can say that much more beyond i love this movie and i do want to i do also want to go a little further in that in that um you know i do recommend uh marie antoinette uh that film got such a bad rap when it came out I I I guess it got booed out of can. You know, I don't trust what gets booed out of can anymore. I mean, there are some movies yeah. that probably deserve it. I've heard that the uh, Gus Van Sant movie about the suicide forest was pretty atrocious, but I've read enough about that to know why that one is. Uh, but I don't know. I mean, what gets booed and what gets received well at festivals, I don't know that that's really... I don't know if they're the right audiences. Um... I know that the movie has certainly found its cult following. I think it annoyed people because they were expecting a conventional film and Coppola refused to give them that. No. No. It's, yeah, it's a period film that uses Queen. Yeah. I mean, it it uses the contemporary music to really great effect, though. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to represent her, like, her immaturity. When, you know, those songs play, it's it's like she's doing something that's really kind of irresponsible. Yeah. I don't I don't know what to make. I mean again, I just I think people were expecting something different and I, I give Coppola credit. She's always marched to her own beat. She uh, famously just left uh a U- Universal was trying to get her to do uh The Little Mermaid, a version of The Little Mermaid, and she ultimately walked away from that project. Uh probably because near as I could yeah. tell she wasn't going to be writing it and uh that's not ideal. No, it's not. <laughs> Yeah, she doesn't seem like the type that would do well selling out. Yeah, I, I, I hope she find, I hope she continues to get the the good small films that she's done. I think she works really well there. I think she provides an important voice. Uh, I haven't seen as much for her work as I'd like to, but I admire what I've seen. I mean, yeah, and I feel like the industry, to a certain degree, had it in for her after Lost in Translation. Because there was the sense of, oh, mm-hmm. you've grown up wealthy. You've grown up in this world. Get her. And that's what the industry does sometimes. Uh. And it's not fair, but it's it's true. And I don't know. This is just, this is a good, this is, this is a great film. And she deserves more. Again, I haven't seen a lot of her other work. I know it's well received. The Bling Ring is also really good and I recommend. I've, I've heard that's quite fun. Yeah, that's one I need to see. That's one I've come very close to watching and just haven't at times. I just don't have enough time to watch enough stuff. Yeah. Um, I, w- I will say, uh, don't go, don't watch the trailer before, because the trailer is a bit misleading. Uh, it does play out like one of her films. Yeah, good. Like, is, yeah, it is, it is pretty slow and deliberate and, you know, not boring. No. Slow and deliberate does not equal boring. And I think that we ha- I think that may be people's issue with this movie is they think slow and deliberate means boring and it doesn't. Uh, exactly. 
People who've seen people, anybody who's seen the Hateful Eight this year will know this. Yeah, we're we're gonna cover that. We're gonna cover that uh, in the back half of this cast because I suppose now now would be a good yeah. time to kind of just break a little bit because um, I mean those are our thoughts on the movie. I knew this was gonna be a shorter film than usual, so let's address a couple of things that we want to get out of the way. Um, the Oscars were last night. Yes, this is actually one that this is actually one year that I went in completely not knowing who was nominated so it was a nice surprise yeah I, I didn't either i just didn't get the chance i just didn't get the chance to see anything this year yeah uh the only one of the nominees that i've seen was mad max uh, however i do intend to, to see the film that won spotlight um yeah which i will say was kind of funny one of the few thing awards that i did get to watch live was um morgan freeman reading it and you could tell he was surprised <laughs> that, that was what won yeah yeah for the record, it only got one other Oscar. It only got one other win, and that was for um, support uh, for screenplay. Yeah, interestingly enough. I haven't seen it, but I've heard it's great. Uh, hopefully by the time this cast comes out, I will have seen it. If so, uh, I'll try and get something up, up on it, uh, either here or at Letterboxd. Probably there, because I'm trying to build that. You know, here's the thing. In terms of the talent that won, I've got no complaints. By and large, I like everybody that won. Okay, Sam Smith winning for that Bond theme that nobody liked it was pretty awful, but that's the worst that it got. Uh, otherwise, it seemed like a decent year. Um, a number of actors that are really good quality actors won. Uh, oh, God, yeah. We we had a group chat going with uh, Thomas, their little Oscar talk in last night. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, when when best actor came up we were all we were all chanting the same thing leo 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 well okay uh i work at the newspaper and last night someone asked me okay so where are you uh, i had to choose a promo pick for the uh for 1a mm -hmm. uh to to refer to the oscars and they asked me so where are you going to go with and i was like you know do i have any plans and i just said well i'm going to go with leonardo dicaprio and that was like at seven o'clock at night mm -hmm. but i just turned to them and i said that's what i'm going to do i'm going to use a photo of dicaprio because that's what's going to win yeah there was no doubt he was going to win um this is let's face it probably a career win for him yes this oscar probably had a lot more to do with the fact that dicaprio has been nominated so many times hadn't won though i've heard the revenant is quite good uh the people that i trust like the sources that i trust the people that i know that whose opinions on film really i trust really got behind it and really enjoyed it and uh, so I do have high hopes. One one big thing that happened last night was uh, Inuritu became the first director since John Ford to win back-to-back -back Best Director Oscars. I wondered about that. Yeah, John Ford was the last person to do it. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. I, I like Inuritu's films, so I'm not going to complain. I'm not yeah. going to complain. I, 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 still think, I still think a year later that I, that Birdman is great. I, I stand by what I've said about it. I, in fact, if anything, I've gone back and revisited it a couple times, and I think it it's rock solid. It holds up. Oh, it is, yeah. I saw a thing this morning that I think it sums up the, the DiCaprio thing perfectly. Like, it shows, it's a little comic, it's a little animated comic that shows all of his Oscar-nominated roles. There's an Oscar on one side of the screen, and there's him on the other side, and shows, like, him with the aviator, like, kind of walking toward it, and then... The Oscar getting yanked away at the last second, and then it shows him as, you know, I forgot what was after that, but the second to last one was him as Jordan Belfort, strung on quaaludes, you know, trying to crawl toward the Oscar. 
getting yanked away, and then him and his performance as the Revenant, you know, in, in the Revenant, like with the scraggly beard and everything, just, just really struggling, crawling toward it, and then finally snagging it, <laughs> then being lifted up by one the Oscar. That, <laughs> one thing that I've seen pointed out is that DiCaprio's problem is that he always got nominated in years where there was someone better. That's been, I think, always been his curse, is that he always got nominated when there was somebody better. Yeah. That's been, I think, the hard hard thing for him is that, okay, let's see, he was nominated for, uh, yeah, that was the same, that was, uh, Wolf of Wall Street was the same year as uh, uh, McConaughey for uh, Dallas Buyers Club, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I take it back. He's usually been nominated, because I'm not going to count that one. I really hate Dallas Buyers Club. I really hate that movie yeah so yeah i hate it with a i hate it um though i don't know i thought he was i thought he was better as howard hughes than jamie fox was as uh ray charles i thought much better actually so yeah but the point is dicaprio has tended to have that bad luck um Mm -hmm. this 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 i'm glad he won um I'm glad he won. Uh, he should have been nominated for Titanic. Uh, speaking of which, did you see uh, Kate Winslet's reaction? To him winning? No. Yeah. Well, f- first, uh, one of the first people that he uh, hugged when he was walking down the aisle to get it was uh, her. Ah. Yeah, and uh, they cut to her during the speech, and she just looked like she was just breaking down so hard. Wow. <laughs> wow. That is that is a thick and thin friendship there. Uh, oh yeah, and she was super happy for him. I mean, yeah, they they've stayed extremely close through the years. Uh, cheers! Of course, now they're both Oscar winners, which is yeah. awesome and well deserved. Um, let's see. Um, I don't like that the Danish girl has any Oscar wins to its credit. Uh, I will say that. Um, yeah, that bugs me. And I'm so I am so happy that the one that the one Fifty Shades of Grey uh, nomination lost. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know though. That's a better song. That's a better song than the one that won though. <laughs> That's yeah. a much better song than the one that won. But uh, I will I will say um, you know just going down my thoughts on the Oscars. Got to give some love to uh, we since we always reference Scott Pilgrim. It would be wrong of us not mm. to acknowledge the cast member. That one last night. Uh, Envy Adams won. Yes, I haven't seen. Uh, I haven't seen Room, but I've seen United States of Terra. I've seen a number of films that she's done, and uh, I'm glad Larson won. Uh, she deserved it. Uh, I, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen the film. I've heard she's great in it. I've heard the film is great. Larson's a hell of a talent, and the the industry is better for having rewarded her. She's she's someone who's going to go long distance in it. Uh, Again, I loved her on United States of Terror, and if y'all haven't seen that show, please double back and watch it. That is a great show. Hmm. Wow. That's that's a great show. I'm not so happy with its depiction of mental illness, to be clear, but um, that's right. a great show. Uh, uh, but I don't know. I will say this. I'm not so happy with the jokes. Uh, that is one thing that I do want to make a complaint about, which is, here's my advice to the Oscars. Quit trying to do jokes. Quit trying to do comedy. You are not good at it. Yeah. I think a lot of that, I think a lot of the, uh, the setups for that, that was like, all of it was very Chris Rock. Yeah. But I'm not so happy with Rock either, to be perfectly honest. Uh, Yeah. Because I did double back and catch his monologue and such. And 
I think that he really owes people an explanation for what the hell he meant with. This whole no black nominees thing has happened at least 71 other times. Okay? You gotta figure that it happened in the 50s, in the 60s. You know, like, you know, in the 60s, one of those years, Sydney didn't put out a movie. I'm sure, I'm sure there were no black nominees some of those years, say 62 or 63, and black people did not protest. Why? Because we had real things to protest at the time. You know? Yeah. Dude, you had better have been sarcastic when you said that. Yeah. You had better have been sarcastic when you said that. Yeah. Because if he wasn't being sarcastic, that was a giant middle finger to the audience. And mm-hmm. yeah, I this was not this was a I, I also think the entire tone of everything was trying to make light of a situation that wasn't that funny. Yeah. I admire Rock for trying, but I don't admire for where he went. I just I wasn't that happy with it. I'm sorry, I, I say that as someone who loves Rock, who thinks he's hilarious. But I think this was a case where maybe the Academy just should have gone serious this year. Maybe instead of comedy, they should have stepped back and gone, okay, maybe this is the time to be serious. And honestly, maybe that would be a nice thing anyway. Drop the monologues. Drop the jokes. Just be serious. We're not there for the jokes. We're there for the awards. Speaking of jokes, it is kind of strange to think that the uh, co-writer of Talladega Nights now has an Oscar. That's true. Adam McKay. Adam McKay, richly deserved Oscar. I have read his script for The Big Short. Uh, I haven't seen the movie, but I got my hands on the script. That's a great script. That is that is a masterpiece of uh, stuff. Um, although I understand why so many people didn't like it. Uh, Mason, if you're listening, I get why you didn't like it. I get completely why you didn't like it. And maybe it doesn't work as well on the screen. I'll throw that out there. It's good. I liked the script, though, and I understand. One of the best introductions to a category came from Louis C.K. He did, yeah. Uh, like, his, his topic, his uh, introduction was short documentary. It's like, you don't understand. These people will never see money. Like, these, like, okay, you know, you guys will all go on to be millionaires. <laughs> like, after your Oscar wins. Oh, yeah. Okay, now, he killed it. He killed he it. He did, um, yeah. That was actually a really good, solid point about the challenges of making... Because a lot of those are done out of absolute love. And Yeah. Yeah. Okay, if you have... Okay, Academy, if you have to be funny, he's definitely problematic, but there's a guy that's maybe worth considering for a host. Um, yeah. But again, I really think it would really... I think at the end of the day, the Oscars, they're not succeeding any way with this. Mm-hmm. So maybe don't... And I will also say this. The Stacy Dash joke, good God, I could not believe that happened. That was just the what? Uh, the appearance by Stacy Dash as the uh, Academy's uh, minority outreach consultant. Oh, that I... might be one of the most offensive jokes I've ever seen on the Oscars. I guess I must have missed that part. Okay, for those who don't know, Dash from uh, Clueless is what she's best known for. Is an extreme conservative who uh has said some rather rather offensive things questioning black history month which was alluded to uh oh no oh god don't no i don't know if that was a bold daring joke 
or a horribly mistimed joke, but given the tone of the night, I'm kind of leaning the second. I'm serious. Rock really, Rock and his writers really owe us all an explanation for what the hell was going on last night. But that's my take on it. Let's 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 shift gears. I mean, as I said, I haven't seen most of the films. I plan on doubling back to catch Room. I plan on I may even see Spotlight this week. Uh, I'm thinking about maybe catching Spotlight on uh, Wednesday because I've heard it's great. And uh, here's the thing: I will say this about Spotlight uh, because I alluded to my job. Uh, I know a number of people who work in the newsroom who saw it and who absolutely loved it. That's how you know that you've done your job. Yeah, that's how you know that you've done your job when people who work in the industry aren't watching it going, "This is garbage." Right. I've heard some people say that it was even more spot on than all the president's men. So, uh, I'm really looking forward to catching it. Uh, I I may catch it either either uh, Tuesday or Wednesday. I I've got a gift card to the rave, so I think that's going to be the first thing I cash it in on. Will be that. Nice. Very happy. Very happy that that one. Uh, by the way, good to see another uh, Michael Keaton-fronted movie winning, yes. by the way. Oh, yeah. He, he was able to go up on stage, uh, and he he looked, so, he looked so gleeful going up on that stage. Yeah. He's just like, yes. <laughs> yes. Well, actually, the, they were very glad they didn't have him mic'd. Uh, he very clearly mouthed a profanity before that yes. Ah! But, yeah, I mean, I'm glad to see Keaton getting this work. I'm glad to see him doing it uh he's got a movie coming out next year that i may wind up looking like an idiot for saying this but he's got a movie about the birth of mcdonald's coming up next year that may put him back on the stage is he playing ray crock yes he is yes he is he's gonna be playing yeah that's a really rich interesting story and i've heard that the script for it is quite good uh it sounds good it's it's an interesting story and Given that the reviewer that I saw review the script does not traditionally like biopics because they're very formless and shapeless, he really got behind this one. And I'm gonna. Uh, my only issue is the director's a little iffy, but uh, I've got some hope for that one. I, I think that one could be something really special to look at uh, uh, next year, uh, provided that it's any good. But uh, with Keaton in the front, I've got at least hope. Uh, I'm just I'm glad that he's I'm I'm glad that he's taking his chance that Birdman gave him and not wasting it. Um mm-hmm. one last thing I have to say before I get off the Oscars, who would have guessed that uh the same guy that did one of the worst movies of last year, The Cobbler, also directed the movie that the Academy deemed the best. <laughs> kind of weird. Years can be interesting. Um so let's let's jump gears a bit. I want to hear your thoughts on the Hateful Eight because we haven't even discussed it yet. This is actually going to be the first time I've heard his opinion on it. So I want to hear your take on it. Uh, the Hateful Eight, yeah, I went to see it this weekend with my dad. Uh, we caught one of the last uh, showings of it uh, over at the AMC Town Center in Leewood, which I've seen I've seen quite a few of uh, the last like tail end of movies of uh movies runs there but yeah because it's long out of little rock yeah shout out to them for that for keeping it so long but anyway yeah the hateful eight it is a slow burn i mean like it is very slow very deliberate very uh it takes about half the film for that bubble to burst i mean it's it's a good film it's uh quentin tarantino course but it's at the same time it's unlike any film he's done pre uh, previous yeah 
I would say it's the most linear film he's done, but that's not true. But it's 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 almost like a murder mystery. It's almost uh, like I guess he took a lot of cues from the thing. In fact, mm-hmm. in fact, the movie is kind of a big love layer to the thing. Um, well, right down to one of the key pieces of casting. Yeah, casting and score. Like, in fact, some of the score in the movie is just straight up unused, unused score from the thing. Well, the score did win an Oscar last night, by the way. It did. Yeah, and he, I guess he famously had a uh, had a quarrel with Quentin Tarantino over the use of some of his score in Django. So he, you know, he also he originally wasn't going to do this film when asked, but he, I forgot what turned his mind. But I bet he's glad he did now. Yeah, because he, I think he may be one of the. He may be the first, if not only, uh, or if not one of the very few ever to win a uh, ceremonial Oscar, and uh, then go on ahead and win a competitive. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. yeah, I I I remember you when we talked earlier about um, you know Quentin needs to deal with his issues with women and his issues with race. Um. You know, there is... I've heard that this is at least... He does at least make some effort here. He does. He makes some... No, I mean, this is... For those who complained about his... About, you know, Django Unchained and... Yeah, this this does make... Like, he does rein in his use of the N-word a little bit here. But it's... Like, it's all... But it's also... uh, One of the key themes of the film is Sam Jackson's character... Is I'm not gonna give away exactly what it is, but it's the, you know, it's just the thing that he has to deal with all his life when moving amongst white folks, you know, is you know the fear that a number of things can happen because this is like Django was pre Civil War, uh, and this is very distinctly post Civil War. Like I can't think of his name, oh, Walt Goggins. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he he plays a guy who fought in the rebel army, and uh, you know that's so that's an interesting relationship there. They do not start out to be friends, anyway. So I mean, it kind of deals with that and just kind of um, what you know what measures that 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 character has to take to keep himself safe, you know, in that in that climate, and. Uh, it's not what the film's about ultimately, but it does like it's a major touching point, touching stone, and yeah, the a um, uh, Jennifer Jason Lee. Jason Lee, yeah, she was nominated for an Oscar. Um, yeah, she had a really good year last year. After many years of the industry just really not giving her much to do, yeah, yeah, and she gives a great performance in this film. She really, uh, she really shines, and yeah, she is. I think one of the points of contention people have with how her character is treated is that uh you know she's in custody of uh kurt russell like he's bringing her in for the bounty like she's very you know sarcastic towards him she's very lippy towards him she's very you know yeah uh and he slaps her around quite a bit in the film and that's i think what a lot of people take issue with it's like, well, it's not like the film takes a pleasure in that, for one. In fact, they're kind of... Good. Yeah, they kind of look down on 
Kurt Russell's character for doing that. Good. And, you know, so the other characters, like, what the fuck are you doing, man? It's like she's handcuffed. What are you, what are you doing? And, well, I'm not going to spoil much, but uh, he gets it. <laughs> he, yeah. get, he gets it for that behavior. Good. So, yeah. At, at her hand, no less. So... Uh, good um so but i mean yeah i mean it's a very slow burn and it it really builds and builds and builds uh it really it takes a while to get there but when it gets there like it's uh when the film okay gets to what it's building toward it's very it's very tense and it's very you start to go oh okay that's you i see what's going on now you know it's and when you you know, start to think back on other things for films like, oh, geez, yeah, that's why. Okay, so I mean, I recommend it. It's it's very Tarantino, but at the same time, it's unlike any other Tarantino feel, film you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, I that's one I'm gonna check out on video. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna be really quick on my thoughts on Deadpool because we kind of addressed it on the last cast, but I hadn't gotten to see it. So here are my quick thoughts on it. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I think it's much more traditional than it's kind of than it poses as. I think it's a lot more conventional than it poses as. But I think it's a quality film. I think it's still quite entertaining. I think Reynolds carries it. Uh, yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I enjoyed it quite a bit. So yeah, um, yeah. I also thought the same. Uh, it's it's just a fun. It's a fluff. It's fluff. It's fluff, but it's, it's good fluff. It's hard R fun, crazy fluff. Yeah, I, I think that's the way to look at it, but uh, it's one I enjoyed. And... What I'm enjoying the most about this film is just hearing all the accounts of, after many warnings, parents taking their kids to see it. None happened at my screening, thankfully. Yeah, me neither. It helped that I went at 10.20 at night. Right. But still, no kids at my screening, thank you. God. I went on a holiday where I know that, uh, where I know that schools in my area were out, uh, because my niece and nephew were also off, uh, off school. Yeah, the, it was a pretty full house, but there were no kids as far as I could see. Woo! That's good. So yeah, that's that's one I enjoyed. Uh, uh, this is this is a very local thing, but I do it to pay my condolences. Uh, uh, Fringy Andrews died. Uh, this week, uh, he was he was the founder of the local film festival. The started as the Casey Jubilee exactly twenty years ago this year, nineteen eighty six, and uh, in two thousand nine it merged with another film fest, and now is the Casey Film Fest. Uh, he hasn't run the fest for a couple years, but um, he really he really put a spark in the uh, Kansas City film community and you know a lot of people I think one of, one of my friends one of my filmmaker friends said yeah he's you know it really um put a fire under the asses of a lot of filmmakers to finish films by the deadline his scholarship paid for my last semester of college for which I am grateful yeah it's he's just had a great impact on the community he loved the city you know he still loved the city and me uh, just by the existence of his, of his festival, and uh, so I just want to give you know a shout out to that. Just a little quick in memoriam. But rest in peace, sir. 
And he was a really nice guy, too. <laughs> I met him uh, on several occasions. I'm going to start using Letterboxd for where I've got my thoughts on movies that I'm confused about or that I have real issues with. I have some... The more that I think about uh, Trainwreck, the angrier I think I get at it. So I, I kind of want, kind of want to put that into words. So yeah, so that's coming uh, soon. So, but anyway, uh, let's go down the rundown. Um, you can find this on our blog, the source of the cast at thefilmroom.podbean.com. You can find this on iTunes. We it usually posts uh, the day after we post the episode. Yeah, rate and review us there. It's very important that you do so. We encourage our Twitters. Uh, Austin is at Untitled User. I am at Permanent Man PRD. We still have the secret Twitter out there, which inches ever closer to Revelation. And uh, yeah, we're doing a lot of prep for that, too. Yeah. <laughs> so look forward to April. Facebook, facebook.com slash the film room. Inching closer to... Uh, 600 likes. Damn. That's, that's pretty, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. We love you all. You can find us on our side blog, uh, where we do nostalgia. We're doing 1996. And I think we, I think we have another mega post. Yeah, uh, we have another mega post. We, we may be doing those every two weeks for a little bit. Um, although when we get to the week after the mega post, we're going to have two movies that we're going to have so much to talk about that we'll have to do that one that week yeah we have a week coming up oh with, yeah uh, the birdcage and fargo so we're gonna have to give that one its own post yeah oh god yeah yeah so yeah we have we have that running uh that's uh the film room lobby dot wordpress.com uh patreon yes please oh man yeah we just we just need like seven or eight more dollars like we have we have tears a dollar gets you uh, access to all of the bonus content that we post, as well as our eternal gratitude. And to reiterate uh, what the goal is, 30 bucks it gets us to our website, which uh, this blurb will be a lot shorter. Yeah, make <laughs> this blurb shorter. Make this blurb shorter, please. It gets exhausting. Yes. Uh, but thanks to our patrons. Uh, thanks to Sheila, Sean from No Totally, Daisy, Nathan and Bridget. Thanks, y'all. Yes. Thank you. And also, also, uh, at $30, uh, we will do God's Not Dead 2. Yeah. If y'all enjoyed that one, we'll, we'll give you a sequel. Yeah. And if you didn't listen to that, oh, do we suffer? Yeah. We will suffer again. We will suffer again. We will drag Thomas back into suffer with us. Uh, if, if you enjoyed our recent ca guest cast, we have one big cast coming in April. I will say that. Mm, yes. So so be on the lookout for that. But yeah, until then. See you later, guys.
That's the one you like to sing in a stagecoach, huh? Yeah. It's kind of pretty. Got another verse to it? Yeah, a Go ahead, sing it. Whatever you say, John. Now day and night the irons clang and like forgotten sleeps. Toil and toil and when we die, must fill this honored graves. By and by I'll break my chains into the bush. Music time's over. What? Hey, whoa!